This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Tonight, it's my goal that I want to try to turn a corner on this. We've been here in this particular passage for many weeks, maybe even a month and a half, possibly longer. I'm not sure about that, but there, there is a reason why I have taken such a long time to move forward in this verse. Because as we read it together, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. One of the reasons why I have taken so long to move forward in this text, I wanted to be absolutely foundationally firm on the doctrine of salvation. Also, I wanted us to be firm, unmovable, on the assurance of salvation. And I also wanted us to be as sure about the eternal security of the believer. Because what I'm about to share with you necessitates that we have a clear, firm understanding of these three things that we've taken weeks uh, to, to talk about. And I'm going to give you the answer before I give you the explanation. Are these two books the same? The book of life and the Lamb's book of life. Well, in, in all of my years of studying the scripture, I can tell you that there are many things about the Bible I don't fully understand. And that's why I think we are reminded about the mysteries of God. I don't know that we will understand. It doesn't matter who the person is studying the word, preaching the word, teaching the word. I don't believe that we will ever get to a place on this side of heaven where we know all of the word. And I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised uh, that some of the things we thought were important are really not. Sometimes people have certain preferences or convictions about certain things and we, we want to build a faith upon it. We want to build a doctrine upon it. And, and I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, that, that's really not going to matter to God. Um, I, I believe this as well. Baptists feel that we got a monopoly on grace. We don't. When we get to heaven, we're going to find ourselves surrounded by people who were of other denominations and other persuasions. And here's the bottom line. No matter how we worship down here, we will all be worshiping the same over there. So bringing it back, there's a lot of things that I, I have no problems and reservations telling you that I, I do not understand it in its fullest. And this is one of those texts because in my study, I know some great Bible scholars who have written tremendous Bible commentaries that believe that these two are the same. The book of life and the Lamb's book of life are the same book. And on the other hand, I know great Bible teachers and scholars who believe that they're different. 
And when I look at all of the teachings, and, and I'm not talking about people in the wild blue yonder that come and go like the wind. I'm talking about good, sound people who take a different approach on this. This is what I do know for sure. If we believe that the Lamb's Book of Life and the Book of Life is the same book, I promise you it will not get us any closer to God if we have the other view. It will not make us any more saved than where we are right now in faith in Christ. So having said that, I'm going to share with you tonight some things to where we could very easily say they are the same book and reference. And I'm going to share with you some scriptures to where we can conclude that it's not. So what I do think is more important than the finality of this, because I, I'm not in a position to explain it. This is, this is one of the mysteries for me in the word. I don't know. But I can share with you study that helps us to see the possibilities of both or uh, be in the same book or then it's not. So this is what I want to share with you tonight. If, if you have ever been under the impression that there is only one book, and if we conclude that these two books, the book of life and the Lamb's book of life, is one book, if all we have in our hearts and our minds that the two are one and there are none other, then I'm going to show you tonight where that is definitely not true. And so I want to progress in this, and, and uh, you've got a firm background already in some of the essentials that were necessary for this particular study. Now, let me say this, that there is reference in the Scriptures of there being multiple sets of books. I'm going to show you. And the, one of the things that I want to make very clear from the beginning of this direction is this, that out of the 66 books of the Bible, Jesus never wrote one. In fact, he's not written any book that we have knowledge of. Now, he being one of the people, the second person of the Godhead, God the Father, somebody, you were just talking about uh, the brother here. He was witnessing to a man that did not believe uh, in the whole facet of the Trinity. But we have to remember that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And the Word says that all Scripture is given to us by the inspiration of God. So when the Word was given it, it, it comes forth even, even at the basic understanding of the Trinity. It's come forth from the Holy Spirit as the Word makes clear. But there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three, the Word says, are one. So the presentation to us tonight as we study this is that, and I'm going to give you these various locations in Scriptures, that... God is keeping records. 
and a variety of books. So if you've ever thought that there is only one book and it's the book of life and none others, then I'm going to show you where that's not the case, where there are different books and really books of all sorts. And we, we absolutely there's more than one book. I, I want to give you uh, a for instance in Exodus chapter 32. Turn there with me. And they will get these scriptures on the screen. And just for a little background, Moses is on top of the mountain getting the, he's on top of Mount Sinai getting these commandments from the Lord. While he's up there getting these commandments from God, he left the camp, he left the people under the supervision of Aaron, his brother. While Moses is up there getting these commandments, Aaron has been persuaded by the people to mold them a golden calf, another god. Now, this just behooves me. Danny was teaching a little bit about this on Sunday, how God had demonstrated and manifested himself in so many different miraculous ways, and yet the children of Israel, one time after another, they had this kind of relationship with God. When they were good, they were good. When they were bad, they were real bad. And in this particular instance, Moses is up on the mountain getting the commandments of the Lord. Aaron is now being persuaded to build them a golden calf. Moses is dead. We don't know where he's at. He's not coming back. We need a God. So they begin to turn in all of their gold and all of their jewelry. And Aaron now, he falls under the spell of, I don't know if we use the word peer pressure, but he found, he fell under the spell of pressure. And he begins to do exactly what these people wanted and he molds his golden calf. And then it wasn't just the fact that Aaron has, has molded. He's, a, he's a priest. He's, he's, he's been the voice piece of Moses in the palace of Pharaoh. He knows God. And here he is now fallen under the spell of idolatry, molding the golden calf, but it wasn't just that. He wasn't just giving them a figurine. This golden calf was going to be ultimately used for worship. The people are now are worshiping this image. Not only that, according to the Word of God, They've taken off all their clothes. They're, they're dancing naked around this golden calf, worshiping this golden calf. Moses is up there getting a word from the Lord. And as a consequence to all of this, God instructed Moses. He said, everybody that was in charge of all this mess, he said, everybody that led it, everybody that had a voice in it, everybody that moved this thing forward, he said, I want you to kill them all. I want you to take a sword and I want you to kill every ringleader of all of this mess. And so Moses was instructed, uh, he, he instructed the tribe of Levi to do God's bidding. And as a result of that, about 3,000 people, their lives were required because of what they had done. Moses then told everyone, who remained, he said, listen, I, you need to consecrate yourself today. This, this has been a stench in the nostrils of God. You have seen his, his, uh, 
displeasure with these people. He has called for their deaths. And so Moses is saying, now you need to gather yourselves uh, and rededicate yourself to the Lord. God was vehemently displeased. So Moses went to talk to the Lord about the entire situation. And here in Exodus chapter 32, look at these verses in verse 30 and verse 32. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, ye have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, preadventure I shall make atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, look at what Moses says, blot me or take me out. I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written. All right, so this particular book that Moses is in reference to is with great mystery. And this particular book that the scripture is talking about, I'm not quite sure about being precise with it, and it certainly is an ongoing study for me. But when you look at it and the circumstances if we could jump quickly and hastily to a conclusion that he's talking about the book of life or he's talking about the Lamb's book of life, we, 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 we get that impression. So let me say this, that every human soul that is born, I think is re- the, the name of that individual. God knows every every aspect of human life that's ever been conceived on this earth. Um. And I believe God has recorded those individual names. And we'll say more about that in just a minute. But I want to give you something else here real quickly. I don't want time to get too far away from me where I cannot give you these various books uh, because this isn't in the uh, plural sense. Uh, There's another interesting book. And that is in Psalms 56 and verse number 8. And... This is what the scripture says, Psalms 56 and verse number 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? Now this is important. Again, we're talking about the book of life being in Revelation 3. Is it the Lamb's book of life? We're talking about a book that Moses has now Declare to God, I pray, the out, uh, if he said, if you will not forgive the sin of these people and take my name out of the book. That's what he said. Here in Psalms 56, the psalmist is talking about God putting our tears. So tears are very important in the mind and the heart and the eyes of God. And we know that there is a value upon them. And in this particular scripture, put thou my tears in thy bottle, are they not in thy book? So God knows every tear we cry. And let me just say that the Lord knows where we are in life, and there's so many burdens, so many troubles, every trial. He knows about, he knows every single teardrop we have, we have shed. And he knows what we're going through, not some of the time, but he knows what we're going through all of the time. 
And so whenever our hearts are overwhelmed and burdened, I promise you that God sees each and every tear we shed. The Word says that God puts our tears in a bottle and in a book. Okay, so this also indicates that there are Uh, is a book of records of our lives. I want to show you this. So again, now we've already seen the book in in Exodus. We've seen uh, this this book uh, uh, that records or or retains or catches our tears. They're in the book. Uh, Let me show you another book, a book of records in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one another to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book, notice this, of remembrance. This is important. A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So no doubt this book of remembrance has to be quite an awesome book. Um. No doubt the prophets are in the book. Every, every name of every surrendered believer, I believe, is in this book. There are a couple of other books. Again, we have, I don't want us to lose focus of the book of life and the Lamb's book of life. We go back to Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So first of all, we have to look at the context in which this scripture was written. Who was, who was this pertaining to? What was this about? So obviously this was written concerning the church of Sardius. And as we have been teaching thus far, there are seven churches that John spoke about here in Revelation. And most of the people who made up this church of Sardius, they were not believers. It was an early church, and most of them, the majority of them, were not truly saved. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody was was lost, because God has always had a remnant. Some people, very few people, were actually true believers. And so we have to keep this in perspective and in context when we're studying a verse like this. Now, there is the thought, and this comes from a lot of great theologians, that everybody's name who has ever been conceived on this earth, there are some who believe that God has recorded their name in the book of life. Now, again, I I am not definitive on any position here, and wherever we line up, you line up, I line up, it doesn't make us any more saved than the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus. But there are some who believe that this book of life is a book that records the names of physical life. Every person that has ever been conceived, there are some who believe that God has a book, the book of life, where he records every name that's ever been conceived. Sort of like a human registry. I'm not saying that I believe that, and I'm not saying if you do, you're wrong. So you have to stay uh, focused with this. So looking at it from that perspective, to have a person's name blotted out of that book or out of the book, it refers to those who have never received Christ as our personal Savior. All right? 
But then that would lead us to believe, well, then obviously that's talking about the Lamb's book of life. But let me say this. The books do not stop with the ones that have already given you. They continue. The records, the existence of humanity is applicable to the study. But also, God has a record. He has a set of books where he's keeping track of our works. It's not just our existence, but our works. Now, we all know that we're not saved by works. We get that. That's elementary. We've discussed that hundreds, of, if not thousands of times. But there is also a book that is called the Lamb's Book of Life, and this is where our names are added the very moment we are born the second time. And we have to be born again according to Jesus in the Gospel of John. But let me show you a scripture here in Revelation 21, verse 27. And it says, And there shall be in no wise enter into it, it's talking about the new Jerusalem, anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there, if, if we are going back to Revelation 3, 5, and we are saying that the book of life is the Lamb's book of life, um, so be it. And nobody's going to hell because they have a different perspective on that particular issue. But what I want to say is this, that God is definitely keeping the score. He's keeping a tab on our life, our works. And in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 20, the word says this, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven and they are recorded in heaven. And we have blessed assurance that they are definitely recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And we have to keep in mind, as we further this study, that there is a big difference, huge difference, between redemption and rewards. And this is the thought I want us to go in right now. Now, as we have already said, in the doctrine of salvation, in the doctrine of the assurance of salvation, and in the doctrine of eternal security, we can establish firmly in the Word of God that no believer can lose their salvation. That's, that's absolute. But it is possible for a believer to lose their reward. Not their salvation, but their reward. God's keeping a record of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15, Paul said, For other foundation can no man lay. Then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved not so as by fire. So let me be clear. As we study that, the wood, the hay, the stubble that the Bible's speaking about has nothing to do with salvation. This is talking about the reward of our works. Because this furnace of fire that God will try these works with 
It takes place where? It takes place at the judgment seat. And we have to recognize that there are not going to be any lost people at the judgment seat. So everybody that's at the judgment seat when the judgment of works takes place is already saved. So this is not a judgment for the lost and the saved. This is this is the judgment of works for the believer, only for believers. And God is keeping perfect, perfect books about our works. I want you to see another beautiful passage of Scripture here in Mark chapter 9, verse 41. And I'll speed this up just a little bit. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. There are scriptures, multiple scriptures that teach us that it is possible for a believer to lose a reward. But it's totally impossible for a believer to lose their salvation. So records are being kept in books for certain reasons. Now, let me, let me say this real, real quickly here. If we could lose our salvation because of something we did or something we did not do, then salvation would be by works and not by grace. And we all know that. At the judgment seat, our works will be tried, but not our soul. If we're at the judgment seat, we are eternally saved. We can lose our reward. John, second John, second John verse eight says this. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Some believers will meet the Lord ashamed uh, that they are not basking in eternal heavenly sunlight with a full reward. So we know that there are several books that God is keeping. And we have discussed these and we want you to be familiar with them. Now, I want you to look ahead just a little bit here in Revelation chapter 20 uh, and see a great uh, parallel, but great difference in the in the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. Uh, no believer, as no lost person will be at the judgment seat, no believer will be at the great white throne. No aspect of this judgment. The great white throne is for the saved. It's for uh, the lost. And the judge is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 5, verse 22. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. In Revelation 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. In verse 12, And I saw the, the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books, look at this, and the books, that's a plural word. It didn't say the book. So if, if we're talking about one book, then, then we know we're definitely wrong because according to the word of God, here the Bible says books and the books were opened. Now look at that. And another book, which is the book of life, all right, so in this particular verse, the scripture is distinguishing the books and notice that another book, which is the book of life, and look at this, and the dead were judged out of those things. Look at this, which were written in the books 
according to their works. So if the book of life is the book that will be used at the great white throne, it can't be the Lamb's book of life. However, I will tell you, this is one of those passages that uh, requires me to be more firm and study uh, with, with all fervency. All right, so keep in mind the word, the books. This is a plural word. Every person on earth has their life and history, I believe, recorded in a book. God's keeping a great book system. Nothing is ever forgotten in the mind and the heart of God. He knows all things. And God, I think he has recorded our existence as individuals. I think God has recorded our tears. I think God has recorded our deeds. And I think if we are truly born again, God has recorded and kept our name eternally safe and secure. Now, finally, as far as books are concerned, and we see tonight that there are multiple books, he has another book, and it's called the Holy Book or the Word of God. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 7, John records these words, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So this book that he's in reference to obviously is not the Lamb's book of life. Whether it's the book of life, I don't know. It's not the book of tears. It's not the book of remembrance. This passage is talking about this book, the Word of God. And in chapter 22, verse 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of prophecy, now that's not the Lamb's book of life. It's talking about the Word of God. God shall take away his part out of the book of life, notice this, and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. All right, so what the, what, what does that mean? First of all, Pastor, that sounds like to me that there is something a person could do to lose their salvation. Now, this is why I wanted to be absolutely firm, crystal clear as we set the tone for this. As far as tampering with the book and taking things out and adding things, that's a dangerous sin. But here's what I believe. You may believe something else. So be it. I'm going on 67 years old, and the days of my fussing and fighting are over. I don't have time for it anymore. Man, my life is short. James says like a vapor. So here's the thing. I truly believe this. I, I don't believe that a person who is genuinely saved, washed in the blood, has made Jesus Christ the Savior of their soul, Lord of their life. And listen to this very carefully because this may stump somebody in here tonight. Always somebody gets stumped. But Here's the thing. I, I don't believe that a real, bona fide, truly saved individual is going to tamper with this book. 
I don't believe, now, now I believe a lost person will. I believe a lost person will take this book and with, with their mouth, with their mind, with their hands, with their imagination, chop it up, cut it up, distort it. And a lost per, I believe a lost person will truly subject this book to the brutality of omission. For, let me, let me give you a perfect classic illustration. I, I love the King James. I, I, it's the book I grew up on. It's the book I, I quote by memory. Uh, it's a book that we had at our family altar, our, our table at, 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 uh, family devotion time. And I tell you this, that I am never, no matter how long I've been preaching and studying the Word of God, I will never become more spiritual than the Holy Spirit. There is not a human being on this earth that is ever going to become more wiser than God, more wiser than Jesus, more wiser than the Holy Spirit. So, all of these Bibles that you find in the marketplace today, let me, let me tell you one of the, one of the big reasons why I have a problem with so many of that, so much of that stuff. For example, take your Bible real quick. Now these guys in the back in the media, they don't have this. This wasn't in the uh, outline tonight, but I want, I want you to see this. I want you to see how fundamentally important this is. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark. Chapter 11. And I want them to get that scripture on the screen here. And, and let's look at, uh, verse number 11. Mark 20 says, get it, get it on the screen. Mark 26. Or, or Mark 11, 26. Let's do, let's try that. Now look at this. That's the one on one. Look at the scripture. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now let me ask you this question. Now if you have a King James, that's what it says. So let's look at it from that perspective. Tell me whether or not you think that verse is important. The truth of the matter is, how could we ever get so spiritual that we decide that there are certain verses that are not important? How could we ever arise to a place and say, well, you know what? I think Deuteronomy 24 verse 17, it ought not to be there. Or how many of us will ever get to the place where we say, you know, I believe, I believe the word, but I just don't, I can't go along with that. This is a true story. Several years ago, we had somebody teaching a soul winning class. And they were teaching the doctrine of eternal security and somebody, somebody who had a Pentecostal background stood up in front of the whole class and said, but you know what? I don't, I don't believe that. And the teacher teaching the class said, well, I'm sorry that you have that idea, but this is what the word of God says. And the, and the gentleman said, this is what he said verbatimly. I quote him. He said, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't believe that. 
And let me ask you a question. Are we ever going to get to the place where we don't care what the Bible says? Will we ever get to a place where we're so spiritual that we we get so pious we can pick and choose what verse in Scripture ought not to be there, what we think it should be? Or how can we help? Let me help the Holy Spirit say it a little better. Let me show you one more. Colossians 1, 14. Turn there with me real quick. Colossians 1, 14. Let me show you this. Now look at this, because this is a fundamental cardinal doctrine of the faith. In whom we have redemption. What, to, through our good works, our good deeds, our education, our money, our prestige. Look. In whom we have redemption through his blood. He had to shed his blood. So my point is this. I don't believe a true born-again believer will tamper with this Bible to the degree where they take out the cardinal doctrine of faith, the blood of Jesus. A true born-again believer would not do that. Now, lost people, I don't believe they'll give it a second thought. In fact, there's going to be soon coming down the highway a generic Bible that appeals to every Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, person who calls themselves a Christian. There's going to be a generic Bible that takes out Jesus being the only way. I promise you that. But we will never, ever get, and I don't believe a true born-again child of God will ever get to the place where we start chopping up this book and taking out true, true cardinal doctrines of the faith. And so uh, that's what I believe the words talking about there. We, we're out of time. I got to stop here. We got kids running all over the place. It's time to stop. But we've turned the corner on Revelation 3 5. And we'll be going into verse number six, Lord willing, next week. So much has led us up to this point in this place. And uh, we truly give the Lord uh, the praise for it. Well, it's been a good study. Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.